Welcome to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast, another post-game edition. Uh, this time we're not, well, I'm not driving. Uh, stationary in my hotel room following Purdue's 41-10 to loss to Minnesota. Uh, Nathan Baird, usually uh, writing second chair uh, in the uh, post-game podcast covering uh, Purdue men's basketball uh, tonight against Ball State back in, back in Mackey Arena. So, uh, flying solo, and so uh, this podcast probably will not uh, last as long as the others. Uh, and to be quite honest, there's really uh, there's really not a lot to talk about out of this game. It's 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 the you know the, I guess the first hot take of uh, that that I'll give you is that um, this was the worst performance of the Jeff Brom era at Purdue, and that's by score, that's by points allowed. But that's just by the eye test as well. I'm not sure we've seen a a Purdue team uh, in the in the 20-some games under Jeff Brom play play like this uh, against an average opponent. Uh, now there were a couple times last year against Michigan and Wisconsin where uh, Purdue looked um, looked out of sync, wasn't comfortable in its offense. But you know, I felt like that had a lot to do with the other team uh, in those circumstances. And even earlier this year against Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, excuse me, against Michigan State coming off the win over Ohio State, I thought that um, Michigan State kind of dictated things, made made life uncomfortable for Purdue's offense, and uh, Purdue's defense, uh, you know, had some breakdowns, you know, didn't play tight enough coverage out on the corners, and, you know, Michigan State kind of, just kind of took what what uh, Purdue gave him, but uh, and there was a lot of questions after the Ohio State game whether Purdue was flat after the big win. You know, I, I don't think that played as big a role, but I do think Purdue was flat today, coming off the Iowa win, and whether they walked out on the field thinking um, they were going to win just by showing up because they had beaten Iowa the week before and Minnesota had. Uh, got pummeled by Illinois, giving up over 600 yards, 430 on the ground. Uh, whether they they walked into the stadium thinking they just had to show up and uh, they would win, uh, they they were mistaken. And that that's not everybody on the roster. That it only takes a, a handful of guys uh, to think that. And uh, you know, I think that part of it played a role. Uh, today and, and Purdue got off to another slow start uh, on the road, and it—not to use the pun here—but it uh, it snowballed on them, even though there wasn't a lot of snow uh, on the field. But uh, you know, Minnesota dictated things from the very start. Their first drive of the game uh, took up took up more than uh, half the the first quarter clock. Uh, they got a field goal out of it when I thought they should have gone for it on fourth down and two from the from the six yard line. Uh, the PJ Fleck had called a timeout uh, and then decided to kick the field goal, which in the end was was a good decision. I thought at that time Purdue would have an opportunity maybe to uh, get down and get a touchdown and uh, maybe take control of the game at that point. But from the get goes, uh, you know Purdue's offense did not look good. Uh, they looked out of sync. They looked out of rhythm. Uh, they just looked uncomfortable trying to do anything today. Uh, you know, David Blau. Nobody, nobody had a good game on offense. You can't point to really anybody uh, and, and say they had any kind of uh, game that was that was worthy of 
uh, of talking about before. You know, you as you got later in the game, I think one of the one of the last two two drives before Purdue had you know the ball. I think they had minus two yards rushing, so they they just really struggled uh, trying to run the ball, and I'm not, I'm not sure they really tried to establish the run. Uh, a whole lot tonight and you know I, I th- on the very first play DJ Knox got nine yards but then Purdue threw four straight plat- passes and three of them were incomplete uh, and they had the punt uh, so there's you know and running the ball was something that I thought Purdue could could do today uh, against this team not solely based on what happened last week but uh, from their standpoint where they they lost to Illinois and gave up those you know over 400 yards on the ground but just that, you know, I felt like Purdue, that could be a, an area that they could win today. And, um, and they didn't even come close. And once they got behind 13-3 uh, to three and then 20-3, to three, uh, they had to solely go through the air. And Minnesota knew what it was going to do. And they made it one-dimensional. And Purdue's defense has done that to teams this year. And, and in Purdue's losses, its most recent losses, uh, which would be Michigan State and, and uh, Minnesota, uh, those two defense made, made Purdue one-dimensional. Uh, so that's something they have to get uh, ironed out here in the next two weeks uh, when they play Wisconsin uh, and Indiana. But despite the slow start, um, you know, Purdue was right there at halftime. Uh, they were down 13-3. Uh, to 3 and they were going to get the ball to start the second half, and David Blau fumbles. He had the ball stripped away by Blake Cashman. Uh, he, you know, he forced the fumble, picked it up, ran 40 yards, and that made it for, uh, made it 20 to three. And for all intents and purposes, the game was over based on uh, how, how Purdue was moving the ball at that point. Uh, they needed to answer several times, and the offense just could not do that. And the, and the one thing that has really come into play uh, this year, especially in the losses, is that when the, you know, the defense, um, you know, this is not a three and out defense. This is something that we've talked about before and we will continue to talk about. The defense, you know, they are who they are. They're going to give up some points. They're going to give up some yards. But that's where you need your offense really um, to take, to try to control the game and in the two losses against Michigan State Minnesota's Purdue's offense has been pretty much non-existent I think the Michigan State game as I said was more about Michigan State con- uh, controlling what Purdue did uh, today it was just more about Purdue uh, really not executing at all on offense and I you know I thought David Blau was trying to uh, make the hard throws um and I, and I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I thought he was trying to uh, to put the ball in places that just it wasn't going to happen. And maybe there was another progression there, or maybe he could uh, use his legs. But there just seemed to be several times where he, he just was looking to, to 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 make the hardest throw possible on, on the route and didn't really didn't look at taking what the defense was giving him. And, you know, that's something they talk about all the time. It, I just didn't see it. Now, when you go back and watch the game, uh, there might be some other instances there where where he was going with the ball was the only, the only route that was going to be open. But uh, he was a little bit wild with his, his throws today, and he just never got into rhythm. Um, and I know the question is out there, whether, why didn't 
you know, Jeff Brom, you Sindelar at some point, and, you know, that question was asked after the game, and he, you know, Jeff didn't put the whole blame on Blau as far as the offensive, you know, the offensive problems today, and he also wanted to let David kind of work through it. Um, I interpreted that like, okay, the guys that are out there made the mess. They need to go out and clean it up themselves, and I, I don't think that's a bad philosophy to have, but it would it'd be nice to get to see Sindelar get some reps and um, let him let him try try some things. You know, David's kind of been um, hit and miss the last few weeks. I mean, he's he's really good. At, you know, he's good against Iowa. You know, good against Ohio State, obviously, but not great against Michigan State and Minnesota. Um, but now you're coming up on two games where you got to have one to get bowl eligible and you want to get two to kind of get your momentum back that you had when you hit the month of November. Uh, but just a few more things uh, about the game. Uh, the one obvious thing that, that stands out and is going to be talked about um, are the penalties. And Purdue did not have a penalty on offense today, but they had uh, a combination of four personal fouls, uh, and unsportsmanlike penalties that really um, haunted them and brought back memories of those first two weeks against Northwestern and Michigan State. Just penalties that were completely uh, unca- uncalled for. Cornell Jones huds- headbutts a, a Minnesota player uh, on a third down play, and that just that keeps the drive alive. Um, they have a face mask penalty. They have another unsportsmanlike penalty. Uh, and then another personal foul for hands to the face. Just just things that you thought that were cleaned up uh, now, you know, resurfaced. And it just kind of it just got away from Purdue at that point. And um, the penalties are a bad thing uh, to ha- be happening right now. But they had, they had gone away for such a long period of time that it, it's difficult to say right now that's a trend. If they if they come up again next week when you're playing Wisconsin, then you've got you know then Jeff Brom has some serious issues uh, on his hand again. He fixed it uh, earlier in the year, and he's gonna have to fix it this week. The other, I guess, worrisome thing that came out of this game is that Purdue showed absolutely no life really in the second half on either side of the ball. Uh, the offense didn't move it, couldn't move it. Uh, but the defense all of a sudden just gave up big runs after big runs after big runs. And, you know, even Jeff Brom said after the game that he was, you know, disappointed that they didn't show a little bit more intensity and a little bit more energy in the situation. And um, and that's something that you don't want to see out of your team at this point of the year or at any point of the year, but as you're – you know, you're trying to chase a championship, which they were before today, and you're trying to get bowl eligible. You just like to see a little bit more energy and passion uh, from a group. I think the weather conditions affected them uh, when they shouldn't have. Um, they let it get to them a little bit, and and once it became 20 to three and 27 to three and 34 to three. You know, I think they got really cold out there, and I don't think Minnesota was really cold. I think Purdue got cold because of the score. Uh, so that's a mental hurdle that they have to fight through because it's not going to be warm when Wisconsin comes to town. It's not going to be warm when you play Indiana in a couple weeks. Um, so there's still hurdles for this team uh, to jump over. Um, yeah, I, it's hard 
to say if today was a step backward. It was a step backward based on play on the field, but will it be will it be a step backward once this season is over? When you look at it, uh, is this something that they can move forward from, or will this trickle down into next week and then the week after that, uh, and then completely kind of change your season? Uh, of how how it was going how you thought it was going to end uh, you know a few weeks ago you know the other big item that we have that I haven't mentioned yet is that you know Purdue played without Jacob Thieneman today and that was um, that was something that uh, uh, was big um, it, you know it's hard to say one guy you know you don't get beat by 31 if if you have this one guy out there um, and you know I, I certainly fall into that category I think you know, taking one guy off your your defense should not allow some of the things that happened today. But once uh, Minnesota's running backs in the second half got to the second level, um, and then there was a lot of open space for them to run. And I, you know, I think not having Jacob uh, for run support uh, was big. But I also think that they 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 need to overcome that. And they, they were not, you know, they, there was going to be a drop off today defensively just because of not having, you know, Thieneman, who gets guys lined up um, and also plays a big role around the line of scrimmage. Uh, he, he comes off a lot of blitzes. So it did, it did hurt, but I don't think it hurt from 31 point, 31 point difference hurt. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe he's that valuable. And, He's definitely a you know a, a player that I thought at midseason was probably their MVP, um, and he is a key component of their defense. But again, uh, while you're replacing him with his brother, younger brother Brennan, uh, who has some experience but not as much as Jacob, uh, and then you had Corey Trice out there for a few plays. It's not the same, but yeah, they they. You still can't get boat race like they did today defensively with or without Jacob Thieneman. Uh And now that they know they're probably not going to have him, uh, at least through the end of the regular season, Jeff didn't sound optimistic that he would get back. Uh, probably not next week. Maybe for Indiana if things go well. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, but um, he's a guy that was missed today. But they're going to have to figure out a way to play without him uh, coming up the next couple weeks if they want to get bowl eligible. And that's that's kind of where this team is at now. The Big Ten West is no longer a possibility because Northwestern won the Big Ten West today by beating Iowa along with Purdue's loss and Wisconsin's loss. So Northwestern's headed to Indianapolis to play probably either Michigan or Ohio State uh, in the Big Ten championship game. So what's left for Purdue? they got to get bowl eligible got to win one of the next two at the minimum uh Purdue would like to win both and that would be a one game uh regular season improvement from last year move them up the bowl ladder uh, a little bit where uh you know you avoid places like Detroit and some other some other areas uh so there's still still a lot to play for but they they've got some things to straighten out uh this week on the field with their execution but also uh, making sure that the same silly uh, penalties that 
were around in the first two games and then reared its head again uh, today, you know, completely disappear from this team uh, because it is it's an eyesore. Um, it has a look when you have these kind of penalties. It's a look of an undisciplined team, and in the first two weeks of the season, Purdue was an undisciplined team, and tonight they were an undisciplined team. And when you combine an undisciplined team with not playing well, uh, you end up getting beat by 31 points. And so this is something that they, you know, they they certainly have to to learn from uh, and get better against a Wisconsin team that is is struggling, that that's having, uh, you know, some quarterback issues because Alex Hornibook Hornibook uh, isn't, um, you know, didn't play today. Uh, and they had, you know, they're having some struggles offensively. They've, they've had some issues in the secondary that Purdue should be able to take advantage of, but they're also still very good up front on both defense and offensive line. And you know, Purdue's going to have to win some battles there to be able to, you know, beat Wisconsin. But I will say this is probably Purdue's best chance to beat Wisconsin in a long, long time. And you got them at home, and they've got them on Senior Day. Um, you know, I always felt throughout the year that the Wisconsin game would be a game Purdue would have a pretty good chance to win. You know, even though they're coming off this this really uh, drubbing by by Minnesota, that doesn't really change, in my opinion, uh, kind of the long-term view of Purdue. They're still in pretty good shape from a program standpoint, uh, and this was an embarrassing loss. But it's not one that should change the outlook uh, of what this program can do, where it's headed. Just like beating Ohio State shouldn't have changed uh, the mindset of, oh, Purdue's now a college football playoff team. No, even with that win over Ohio State and even beating Iowa, they were not moving up that quickly that far. And just like losing this game, it doesn't it doesn't push them to the basement of the Big Ten. Uh, they can still finish, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, you know one more win than they did a year ago. They can get in a better bowl game. They can, you know, they can still finish um, probably as high as second uh, in the in the Big Ten West, and that in itself would be an accomplishment. You know, in theory, they could still finish tied for the top spot, but. They can't get to Indianapolis because they don't. They didn't win the tiebreaker. Um, so there's still there's plenty to play for uh, for this team, and and the outlook is still pretty good when you when you look at what they have coming back next year and the 2019 recruiting class, and you know picking up the key receiver uh, on Friday, Milton Wright from from Louisville. Um, there's still. This this program is still moving forward. And today, today is a bit of a setback, but not not one that's gonna. Uh, it shouldn't take the program in a different path. And a lot of things we saw uh, today from from Purdue reminded me of old Purdue. It reminded me of uh, you know those games before Jeff Brom, where you know they were really out of it and uh, didn't didn't compete as well as they should have and and when things went bad they went really bad and and this is probably the first this is the first time in in Brown's tenure that things have really gotten this bad at, at a game but he 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 seems to know how to fix it he, need, he seems to know how to get his message across and I I fully 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 expect that to happen 
All right, well, thanks for, for joining me today on our solo version of the Boilers Extra podcast. Nathan and I will be back uh, next week uh, to, to – I don't know how much more we I need to break down this game uh, than already happened. I mean, you watched it. You know it. I'm not sure I'm adding anything that, that, that you don't – that, that, that you didn't see, but we'll probably spend uh, uh, more time on basketball a little bit as uh, the Boilermakers get ready to, to head to Charleston, South Carolina for for their holiday tournament and uh, get a better idea of where they stand. And we'll preview the Wisconsin game as, uh, you know, Purdue, as I said, Purdue's going to have senior day and uh, pretty pretty good crowd on hand and you know really got to get got a chance to finish you know they got a chance to finish second in the west and you know they can do that by winning these last two games so sorry no steak and shake diner tonight uh no uh waitress named cassie uh you know maybe next week uh we'll we'll find somewhere else to 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 eat and uh, entertain you from from <laughs> from that standpoint uh, but for now, we'll, uh, I'm gonna gonna end the this version of the the Boilers uh, Extra podcast, and uh, Nathan and I will be back uh, next week to to give you a more in depth version of uh, uh, of basketball and what's coming up ahead in, in football.